people. I was watching ABC News this past week about wildfires out in Washington, and they showed a particular home. This home was surrounded by fire, thought to be soon engulfed by fire. But then they showed this picture. Isn't that amazing? Didn't touch the house. And the experts were on saying, well, it's probably the aluminum roof and the concrete and stonework and no brush around the house, no trees. But then the owners got on and they said, thank God. <laughs> God saved that house, right? I tell you what, this is a spiritual analogy. Let's go back to the other picture. This is your neighbor's life. This is your coworker's life. This is your sister's life. They are surrounded by fire, and they're headed toward a crisis eternity if they have not been redeemed by God. And friends, our job is to let other people know about the joy of our salvation and how it can be theirs, because we want this to be the result in everyone's life that we know. We want to be and then to be saved from a, a salvation of, of, of punishment. We want them to experience the freedom that we have in Christ in this life and the life to come. Are we talking about this incredible salvation that we have and that we want to tell others about as we look at Psalm 107 as we continue in our series, Cries of the Heart? As part of our HeartStrong initiative, uh, we are seeking to worship better together on the weekends. And so we're experimenting with uh, different worship styles, different ways to put our services uh, together. So we'll be dismissing the kids here uh, in a little bit, but I think it's good that they're here for some teaching time to see that I'm a pastor and I'm not as scary as I look. (laughs) It's good to have you kids. All right, well, let's look at Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Always around Thanksgiving. I just shake my head. People are thanking for thankful that is for family and friends and good things in their life, but they never say who they're thankful to. <laughs> That's because they're not sure. Random chance, blind faith. What are they thankful for? Well, we know who we're thankful for. Every good thing that happens, everything that happens, we thank God for. For He is good. Remember last week we talked about the fact that He is 100% good. Not 99% and 1% evil. We couldn't trust Him then, right? No, 100% good. For His steadfast love and uh, endures forever. It means His mercy and grace that will last for eternity in our lives. Verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and from the south. Now, let me give you some background about this to help you better understand. The psalm, of course, the psalms were the songbook for the Israelites when they came to the temple courts to worship. So they would actually sing these psalms. There would be musical tunes to them. And they were written at different times for different purposes. This particular psalm, I believe, was probably written after the Babylonian captivity of Israel. And I believe when they say uh, that he's gathered them from the east and west and north and south, it's talking about the history of Israel. How many times God has delivered them. He delivered them from the south when they were enslaved 
in Egypt. He delivered them from the east when they were told to go in and take the promised land. God delivered them, delivered them from uh, their enemies there. They were delivered from the north, uh, that's Syria. They were delivered from the west when they were eventually freed from the people of Babylon. Now, the captivity was 70 years long. What happened was that Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and many other prophets told the people of Israel, if you do not repent, God is going to discipline you. He is going to have another country come in and take over and destroy Jerusalem, the temple and the walls and level the place. And you're going to be taken off into slavery. And that's exactly what happened. God's judgment came upon them. And for 70 years, they were slaves, just as they had been in Egypt. And then God brought them back to Jerusalem. He brought Zerubbabel back to build the temple. And he brought Nehemiah back to bring the, build the walls. And then he brought Ezra back to lead the people in to worship once again in the rebuilt temple and the reestablished Jerusalem. And I believe it was at that point when everything was back to normal in a sense that this song was written out of worship to a God that kept delivering them that kept redeeming them. That word redeem is such a rich and deep word in Scripture. There's many ways to define it, but my definition for this morning is a price that is paid for freedom. A price that is paid for freedom. The most common use of redemption was for slaves. If somebody wanted to redeem a slave, to free a slave, they would pay a certain price, a debt, a ransom. A pardon. They would pay a price and then the slave would go free. And if the slave had the option, he could pay the redemption price to be set free. That's what redemption was, a price for freedom. In this context, we see that God extended himself, in a sense, not paying a price, but there was some effort involved in delivering the Israelites constantly from the situation. I believe there's either even a larger understanding here, not only of physical deliverance, but of spiritual deliverance for the Israelites. You see, you have to understand that Old Testament saints are saved in just the way that we're saved, as we study the New Testament. They're saved by faith, and faith alone. The reason that God gave the law, the Ten Commandments are just a small portion of the law, but the reason that God gave the law was to help people understand that they could not fulfill the law, that they needed God's forgiveness. They needed His grace. They needed Him to pay the penalty for their sins. So when the Israelites came to make their sacrifices to worship at the temple, they were basically saying, we can't fulfill the law. Therefore, we need to sacrifice these lambs which were foreshadowing Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Throughout Scripture, it's all about what Jesus did for you and I. God redeemed us through what Jesus did because, because of our sin, the penalty for sin is eternal separation from God. So God sent Jesus Christ to pay that penalty, to pay that debt on the cross, pay that in order that he might pardon us. So Jesus Christ paid the penalty, rose again from the grave, and now the message in this Bible, the Word of God, is that we need to respond to God. We need to repent of our sins and put our full 
faith and trust in God in order for us to experience God's grace, in order for God to redeem us the price that's paid for freedom. When a person becomes a Christ follower, they are redeemed. What Jesus Christ <clears throat> did on their life is applied did for them on the cross that is is applied to their life and they are redeemed they stand holy before God so redemption we're going to be singing a lot about redemption later so when you hear this word redemption it's a price that's paid for freedom and God paid the price through Jesus Christ and also for the Israelites all right so uh, what we're going to be looking at is four different redemption stories. This is a fascinating psalm, and it's a lot. We're going to cover a lot of territory here. So, again, I, I always encourage you guys, take the sermon notes home and review them. Go to the passage, and especially this one. This is so rich in imagery. Uh, you can meditate a long time and really understand how wonderful the salvation of God is. But four different redemption stories. Lost in the desert, locked in prison, languishing with sickness and lost in a storm. Four different stories of people who uh, were saved. Uh, and there's four components to each story. Uh, the crisis, the cry for help, the rescue, and the thanksgiving. In fact, hopefully we'll have some time after I get done teaching, and we're going to give you an opportunity, just like a minute or so, for you to share your redemption story. What was the crisis? Uh, how did you cry for help? How did you come into relationship with God? And we want to celebrate that. So keep that in mind. So let's take a look at the first redemption story. First of all, lost in the desert. Psalm 107, verse 4. Some wandered in the desert wastes, finding a way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Now the question is, why are they wandering in the desert? Well, it's because they refuse to go to the city of God. They are in rebellion. Each of these stories about people who are in rebellion, they're searching for satisfaction within this world. In our case, in their case as well, and we search for satisfaction in relationships, in achievement, in the thrills that life gives us, in getting bigger and better stuff. But these people have come to the point where their, their soul is fainting, the world has not delivered. It has not satisfied the deepest longings of their heart. And at the, they're at their end. So what do they do? Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble. Each of these stories, people come to the point of desperation in their lives, in their rebellion. They come to the point where they have no other option but to turn to God. How many of you? Think about how you came to Christ. How many of you came to Christ through a crisis in your life and you were desperate? Anybody out there? Yeah, well, it's very common, especially among adults. When children, they, they tend to come to Christ more just because they're taught and they respond to the Spirit. But adults, they're a little more firm in their beliefs, and it usually takes a crisis to kind of move them in that particular direction. A beautiful thing here, this is the beauty of the Gospel, the rescue and he delivered them from their distress. That's what we're here to celebrate today, how God delivers people from their distress if they choose to embrace it. Verse 7, he led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. So he took them by his hand and he led them to the city. And 
this could be seen as Jerusalem because they're celebrating being back in Jerusalem. But I think ultimately it's heaven. God is taking us to heaven. And you know why some of you are so frustrated today? You're so angry. I think part of the reason might be is that you think this is heaven. You think this should be heaven, this, this life in this sinful, cursed world. You see, we get our expectations up. We say, well, life should do this. This should happen. That should happen. Hey, this isn't heaven. This is a sinful mess down here, okay? But someday, there'll be no tears. There'll be no pain. We'll be with Jesus. And until then, we are going to suffer. And we just have to accept that, and God will carry us through that suffering. Just to give you an illustration of this, I came across this story about Rhonda Cardinal. Rhonda Cardinal uh, lived up in Alberta, Canada. And she and her husband, Andrew, went out, and they were camping, and they were also trying to catch rabbits. So they had these rabbit traps that they were setting. So they had stopped in their ATV along one of these traps, and he got out. And he lost his keys, so he was fumbling with his keys. Now, this just happened uh, July 31st, about 20 days ago, okay? So he's looking for his keys, and he gets up, and all of a sudden, she's gone. And he doesn't know where she is. And he looks, and he looks, goes back to the campsite. She, she isn't there. He goes to the police, the Mounties, and, and, and 58 Mounties go out looking for her, and the rest of the community, nobody can find her. Ten days they search for this woman, and they cannot find her. Well, what happened? Well, the way Rhonda... Reports it as she said that she woke up and she had just blanked out. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know what happened. And so she started to walk. It wasn't this firm type of ground that we have around here. It was kind of boggy, very difficult to walk through. And she found a cabin the second day and was able to get some food and water. And one day she ran into a bear, a black bear. And she looked at it and the black bear looked back at her and Black bear just kind of settled down there, and and she looked at it and she walked away. <laughs> Black bear walked away. Yeah. Adventures, right? Adventures you don't want to have. And so every day she would walk and walk and walk on this difficult surface, and the night she would just collapse under a tree and try to sleep. And the next day she would walk again. Well, one morning, this guy was sitting at a diner, and he was looking at a newspaper, and he saw her picture. And he was driving along the road, and he saw this woman standing at the side of the road. And it was her, Rhonda. It was her. And he picked her up. Who knows how long she'd been staying there for a car to drive by. But what's really impressive, let's see, uh, I got the 19th. So this was on Thursday that she was found. This, this past Thursday, the 16th. She had been wandering for 16 days, walking and walking and walking and walking and walking. And she survived. And she was asking, can you imagine the joy she felt when she saw that car coming? And she realized that she was going to be saved. Ah! She, many times I assume, thought she was going to die. Well, friends, this is a this is a picture of what salvation is. And many of you remember that experience when you learned about the grace of Jesus Christ and the gospel and the freedom that it brought you. You remember the incredible joy 
that, that came into your life in the thanksgiving that we see in verse 8. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of men. Amen. For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. So for the person wandering in the desert, the person that can't find satisfaction, Jesus satisfies. For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the joy of your salvation? Can you remember back when you first became a Christ follower? But that's really not the joy I'm talking about. Because that's a long time ago. Maybe most of you. What about your joy today? The only way to sustain that joy is by walking with Jesus and by feeding on His Word and letting the Holy Spirit flow through you. And and that way you can appreciate anew. Now my prayer for myself, my prayer for you today, as we talk about these redemption stories, that we would fully appreciate it, what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and what God did by sacrificing His Son in order to redeem us and to sing our hearts out when we talk about how we have been redeemed, how the debt has been paid. Amazing. Amazing stuff to celebrate. Okay. So a lost in the desert. The second redemption story is locked in prison. Verse 10 of Psalm 107. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and irons, for they all had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. I forgot one thing. Let's dismiss our kids at this time. Thanks for being with us, kids. Hope you have a great time in your classes. So let's talk about uh, this. This is a prison. Let's go back to the uh, slide, uh, the crisis, Psalm 107. This is a person who's in prison because they rebelled against the words of God. So they chose to be there. Now, prisons back in that day, we've talked about this many times. It was, our prisons today are like the Hyatt Hotel compared to prisons back in that day. I mean, they could care less about your rights, whatever. We're putting you in prison, throwing you in a hole, basically. They sat in darkness, pitch black. In the shadow of death. So kind of like a death row. Waiting to be executed. Prisoners in pain. In irons and shackles. You see, just take some time this week to, to memorize and imagine this in your mind. And, and uh, feed on Scripture. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Talk about a desperate situation, right? Their hearts were hardcore. They didn't want anything to do with God, but God broke them. God broke them. God created desperation with them. Where they came to the point, the cry for help, and they cried to the Lord in their trouble. We're going to see that in every story. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. So many times it takes us a lot of trouble for us to initially come to God or initially come back to God or we've wandered a little bit from God and He has to send a little trouble our way in order for us to cry out to Him. But the great news is here, right? And He delivered from their distress. He delivered them from their distress. And you think about that and say, wait, wait, wait a second. 
these were criminals. They were in prison for some reason. And it said they had been rebellious toward God. They deserved their death. That's unfair. Why would God release them? It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's the point. Grace does not make any sense whatsoever. It does not compute with the way we think, with the way we're wired. That's the amazing thing about grace. We don't deserve it. We don't think anybody else deserves it. Well, we think we deserve it, but nobody else <laughs> deserves it, right? Nobody else should experience it. Well, I tell you what, God offers His grace to everyone. And that's what this psalm is about. The amazing grace that God offers people who, are, who have spat in His face. And said, God, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to live life my way. And finally, when they get to the, the end of the trail, and they realize that they were wrong, when they finally cry out to God, what does He do? Four different times it says He delivered them from their distress. He redeemed them. Isn't that amazing? Huh? You guys, we got to do a yay God here. One, two, three. Yay God. Yeah. Wow. And say, you can say amen anytime you'd like. Um, but I'll guide you in other times. The thanksgiving. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love. For his wondrous works to the children of man. That's, just, that's where we need to be. We just need to be filled with thanksgiving for God and how he works in people's lives. For he shat- I love this. Oh. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Now just imagine that, a big bronze door. You're locked in. You're in prison. And God touches it and shatters. It falls the floor, and you have these huge iron bars, and his finger just slices through. You see, the first group is lost. These people are shackled. They're shackled. There are many people out there who don't know Jesus. They're shackled. They're imprisoned. They're imprisoned by their marriages. They're imprisoned by physical suffering. They're imprisoned by mental suffering. They're imprisoned by bad choices that they've made. They're imprisoned financially. They feel like there's no way out. And they cry out to God. And God comes and He gives them freedom. He redeems them. You think about your neighbors. Think about your neighbors and your co-workers and other people you run into. And you know they don't know Jesus. And the strange thing about it is sometimes we're really jealous of them. They seem to have better lives than we do. They seem to have more stuff. They don't have as many problems as we do sometimes, we think. And, and we, miss, we miss the reality. If they don't know Jesus, their life is not okay. And we, we kind of go along with the world and say, well, yeah, if they're okay, that's cool. No, it's not cool. It's not okay if they don't have Jesus. They're headed toward a crisis eternity. They've got a major problem. They've got a forest fire that is coming at them and is going to take them down unless they call on God before they die and they are redeemed. And friend, that's, that's what we're about here at Springbrook. That's why we serve. That's why we pray. That's why we walk with God. One of the main reasons is to get the good news out, to tell people there's a fire coming. And you need Jesus. You need to be redeemed. We've got to wake up. I know so many times 
I am lulled into complacency when it comes to people around me who don't know Jesus. I'm praying God would uh, refresh me in this way as well. All right, so locked in prison. The third thing is languishing in sickness. Some were fools through their sinful ways. Again, rebellion against God. And because of their iniquity, suffered affliction. So they became sick. They loathed any kind of food. And they drew near to the gates of death. Remember the last time you had the stomach flu? I know you don't want to remember it. <laughs> I hate the stomach flu so much. My wife knows I'm a big, big baby. And I, it sounds like I'm dying in there. At the gates of death. Well, I just had the stomach flu. Uh, <laughs> but I tell you what, when you are at the gates of death, you're not interested in food, right? You visited people who are suffering in the hospital near the end of death. They're not interested in food, right? That's, this is a desperation that we're talking about here. Uh, again, they fed on things that were toxic. They, they fed on Satan's candy. And they are sick. Their lives are messed up. They're despondent. They don't know where to go. And what do they do? Well, then they cry to the Lord in their trouble. And what did God do? Did God say, hey, I gave you. <laughs> I gave you so many chances. You rebelled against me for 50, 60 years. Maybe when you were 20 or 30, I would have done something for you. But really, come on now. Let's all get realistic here, huh? No. Our God, full of grace. And He delivered them from their distress. He sent out His Word and healed them. Oh, isn't that beautiful? These people are so sick. And He heals them. The touch of a master healer. And delivered them from their destruction. This is our God that we celebrate today. And then the thanksgiving comes. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love third time we've seen this, for His wondrous works to the children of men. We need to <clears throat> continue to pray to God that we would fully appreciate who we are in Him. Then we need to pray that we would reach those people around us that He has strategically put in His life. Aldici was in our service earlier. He was talking about a a neighbor who just had problem upon problem upon problem. And he was just stepping alongside of her, he and his wife, Dorothy, just loving her, encouraging her, supporting her. That You and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. And it's through our love that we show to those people in our lives that we cultivate that relationship that will hopefully lead them to Christ in the midst of their despondency, in the midst of their desperation. There's so many desperate people. You look at people and you say, oh, they look fine. You don't know how desperate people are. You don't know how... I mean, we don't fully appreciate how good people can look when they are in the midst of desperation. People can look really good. They can put on a really good front when inside they're withering away. And friends, you've got them in the cubicle next to you. You've got them next door. You've got them standing next to you at your soccer, uh, your kids' soccer games. They're withering. They're sick. They're lost. And you have the opportunity just to cultivate a relationship with them. You don't have to say, you got to have Jesus. <laughs> that would probably be appropriate at a soccer game. But you just need to say, how's it going? Well, hey, you know, I'm 
strike up a conversation. I got a neighbor I met this past week I talked to you about, and this week I'm going to give him a call and uh, see if we can get together. And he was interested in knowing me, which shocked me. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm going to try that out. That's what I'm doing this week, and that's my challenge for you: is to either begin a relationship uh, with somebody, or to continue to cultivate a relationship with a non-believer. Just just love them. That's all you have to do. Show them Christ's love, and then. Hopefully at some point along the way as you pray for them and encourage them, they'll make that choice so God can redeem them. The last thing is lost in a storm. Uh, someone down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. Now, those of you who fly a lot for your businesses, you should be grateful every time you step on an airplane. Because if you live back in this day, if you wanted to do travel <laughs> to certain areas, you had to get on a ship. Not the type of ships we're thinking about. Okay, You took your life in hand every time that you went. You didn't know if you would return. Uh, so the great waters, they saw the deeds of the Lord as wonders works in the deep. Well, that's because God caused a storm to, be, to come upon them, just like in Jonah's situation. For God commanded and raised the stormy wind. Again, He controls the winds. Which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to the heaven. That's talking about the ship going up on the way. Okay. They mounted up uh, to heaven, and then they went down to the depths. Let's talk about the ship going down underneath uh, the water. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. Evil? Well, what was evil about it? They could have been stealing from people, but I think it was more so that they were running from God. They were greedy, materialistic, who knows what. They were doing their own thing. They were rebellious toward God. And and now they've just come to the end. I love verse 27. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Now just imagine that for a moment. Think about somebody you saw who was drunk. They're just so lost. These confident businessmen who were going around and had these great companies and things of that nature, they're just like little children. They're so filled with fear. And I tell you what, there are people in your life who are filled with fear. And you can't even see it sometimes. But they're racked by it because they don't have Jesus. I think of this, I think of the Titanic and what that must have been like to have been on that ship, of course, portrayed in the movie. It was done very effectively to, to kind of show what people were going through. And then, of course, the thing about a ship is it goes down and sometimes you're still alive and so you have to wait to die, right? A very difficult thing. They were so fearful. But what did they do then? They cried to the Lord in their trouble. They cried out to the Lord and He answered them. He rescued them and He delivered them from their distress. Listen to this. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and He brought them the desired haven. You see the contrast there? I mean, they, they were like drunken men that were at their wit's end, and all of a sudden, they have this incredible peace. That's the power of our God when He redeems us, and as we go on in our lives, whatever storms come our way, we can find peace with Him. That's wonderful things we speak of. So, I want to encourage you to celebrate God's redemption this morning as we we go to praise and, and to song. 
in a moment I'm going to ask, uh, we could have our people with uh, the mics come out. And we're just going to have a time of praise. We talked about this last week, praising and thanking God. And if you feel so led to stand up for a minute and share uh, your redemption story, if you'd like. Again, you see the pattern. Let's jump to the pattern. Um, the four different elements, the uh, crisis and the cry for help and the uh, rescue and the thanksgiving. Uh, so if you want to do that or if you'd like to share something about how you're seeking to cultivate a relationship with somebody, you can share that as well. But we want to praise and thank the Lord at this time. And one other thing, you can take your program out at this time and rip off the communication slip and fill that information out. And we have our next steps numbers here, and these are the next steps that are also on your sermon sheet. Uh, so I'll do something this week to further cultivate a relationship with a non-believer. You're circle number one. I'm interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you're saying, this is new to me, uh, boy, we would love to tell you about who Jesus is. Come to our prayer center afterwards or talk with me or someone else you know who knows. Okay, and then I'll, go, I'll make a commitment to be on time for worship gatherings. Number four, I'll meditate on the verses from this message in my daily office. Number five, I'll meditate on or seek to memorize Psalm 119.105. And number six, I'll take the summer daily office challenge. All right. Well, who would like to share with us?